VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, May 29th, 2018. Today, Uber adds a panic button, Apple updates HomePod, the Chinese trade war is back on, Facebook gets a month-long timeout in Papua New Guinea, a second European data protection regulation gets delayed, and less desirable dogs get better PR. I'm Glenn Fleischman, in for Brian McCullough, who's on vacation, and here's what happened in tech news today. Uber has added a panic button to the U.S. version of its app, but don't press it when you see the cost of a ride when surge pricing is on. Rather, it's one of Uber's attempts to address past criticism about safety for both riders and drivers, as the listing unicorn ship tries to right itself under the management of Dara Khosrowshahi, who took over the role in August 2017 from founder Travis Kalanick. This button, which calls 911, previously appeared over two years ago for Uber's customers in India after an Uber driver raped a passenger. He was convicted and sentenced to life in prison, but the victim later sued Uber for mishandling her private medical information in yet another self-inflicted wound for the company. In its first iteration, The Verge notes that the 911 button appears as part of an easily reached safety center and simply places the call after a user confirms it was intentional. But it's the next stage, currently in testing, that will be more helpful, providing accurate location information to first responders. The Verge says Uber is testing location sharing in a few cities, Denver, Colorado, Charleston, South Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Naples, Florida. Cell phone location accuracy for emergency calls can vary enormously as it relies on the telephone side of things, providing smartphone-based in-app location, which combines GPS, Wi-Fi positioning, and cellular base stations, can be dramatically more precise. An Uber spokesman says a panic button for drivers will soon be added to make it easier for them to summon help with a belligerent passenger. Uber has received seemingly endless criticism in the last year and a half. Uber had plenty of problems before its former software engineer, Susan Fowler, published her essay in February 2017 with the anodyne title reflecting on one very, very strange year at Uber that contrasted with a litany of shocking but unsurprising complaints. However, matters only accelerated after that, leading to the ousting of the company's founder, Kalanick. Khosrow Shahi has received high marks for stepping down the company's belligerent and bro-oriented culture and for better communication with governments. However, as the New York Times, Vindu Goel, and Y.E. Lim reported over the weekend, the company still makes abrupt and arrogant moves. It notes that Uber exited eight countries in Southeast Asia on March 25th, turning over operations to a competitor, Grab. All of Uber's employees were laid off and regulators were given no chance to respond. Arsenio Belisicon, the chairman of the Philippine Competition Commission, told the New York Times, the acquisition results in a virtual monopoly of the ride-sharing market. Uber, in turn, said it had complied with merger regulations and had gone beyond legal requirements in some cases. The Times notes how Khosrow Shahi carried out the exit plan illustrates the challenges he faces in maintaining Uber's trademark boldness while ditching its devil-may-care disdain for others. Firmware and software updates generally lack the excitement and interest of other tech news, but I have to tell you about this one because it involves Apple and the competition among companies to put listening devices in our homes. This is also the top story this morning at TechMeme because of the buzz around this product segment. 
In February, Apple shipped its standalone HomePod device that can respond to queries made to its Siri system and be used as a target speaker for Mac and iOS devices and iTunes on Windows. The HomePod received lukewarm reviews partly because of how poorly Siri performs on queries compared to Amazon's Alexa and Google's variously named and available AI voice command tools. However, most galling to some reviewers and customers was that a few HomePod features didn't appear at the time of release and were promised soon. Well, soon has come four months after the HomePod shipped and Apple has added AirPlay 2 support to iOS and for the HomePod, which allows the same audio to stream to multiple speakers and Apple TVs at once. The HomePod can now also provide stereo sound with a catch. BuzzFeed News explains, For fuller, immersive sounds, you can put two HomePods together to create a true left-right stereo speaker system, but it'll cost you. One HomePod costs $349, while two Alexa-enabled Sonos ones cost $379. Papua New Guinea has banned Facebook for a month, according to the Post Courier in that country. Its communications minister said the time will allow information to be collected to identify users that hide behind fake accounts, users that upload pornographic images, users that post false and misleading information on Facebook to be filtered and removed. Facebook has faced criticism from governments, privacy advocates, and human rights groups around the world for the way in which false news reports and incitements to violence wind up being promoted on the service or not removed. Other governments resent the free spread of information on Facebook that allows for political and other mobilization. Sri Lanka briefly banned Facebook in March after a post calling for violence against Muslims is believed to have led directly to violence and arson against hundreds of Muslim families in that country. Even as attacks raged, the post remained up. Facebook Messenger was used to incite attacks in Myanmar as well, according to Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. He told Vox's Ezra Klein, So that's the kind of thing where I think it is clear that people were trying to use our tools in order to incite real harm. Now, in that case, our systems detect that that's going on. We stop those messages from going through. But this is certainly something that we're paying a lot of attention to. About the Papua New Guinea ban, The Guardian spoke with Dr. Aim Sing Peng, an expert in digital media and politics from the University of Sydney, who said, in paraphrase, The ban raised some troubling questions because when Facebook had been banned in other countries, it was usually in the run-up to elections or banned indefinitely like in China. Dr. Sinpeng said the internet penetration in Papua New Guinea is only about 12%, so that Facebook had relatively little reach there. The country's communications minister told the local paper, We can also look at the possibility of creating a new social network for PNG citizens to use with genuine profiles as well. He suggested an app developer in the country could create a site that is more conducive for Papua New Guineans to communicate within the country and abroad as well. Reaction on Twitter was mixed and wry. Laura Moser, running for the Democratic nomination in Texas for the House 7th District, noted, For the first time in my life, I'm considering a move to Papua New Guinea. Helen Davidson, a reporter for The Guardian's Australian Outpost, tweeted, This is really troubling. PNGians are super politically engaged, but outside of major cities have few media resources other than social media. The Guardian's media editor, Jim Watterson, noted, This seems like a straightforward vote-winning tech policy for all governments to adopt. Facebook remains banned in China, despite Zuckerberg's public efforts to learn Mandarin and extensive courting of the country. Want a better way to simplify your business finances across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting? If so, Ramp could be a complete game changer. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. 
Ramp gives finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spend. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. You'll never have to chase down a receipt again and your employees will no longer spend hours submitting expense reports. The time you'll save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. Ramp's also saves you money. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 5% the first year. Ramp is easy to use. Get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash techmeme. Ramp.com slash techmeme. R-A-M-P dot com slash techmeme. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot literally cannot live or at least work without it. One Password. One Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. One Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. One Password lets you securely switch between iPhone Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using 1Password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the 1Password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get Get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. Onepassword.com slash ride. It's on. It's off. It's on. It's off. Well, it's back on. The Trump administration has said it's preparing to move ahead in imposing 25% tariffs on what amounts to $50 billion worth of imported Chinese goods each year. The full list will be out by mid-June, but more significantly for the technology market, the New York Times reports that the government will limit Chinese access to U.S. technology both by restricting Chinese investment and imposing stronger controls on what products and components may be exported to China. The basis for these restrictions? National security. These steps will be announced by June 30th and quickly put into effect. The White House said in a statement, To protect our national security, the United States will implement specific investment restrictions and enhanced export controls for Chinese persons and entities related to the acquisition of industrial significant technology. Talks between the two countries continue, so for all we know, we could have another few rounds of on-again and off-again stories. Left undecided is the fate of ZTE, a Chinese telecom and smartphone firm that the Trump administration recently put on a list banning U.S. tech companies from exporting to them, which includes items such as chips and software. This has doomed the company, which admitted a year ago to selling products with U.S. parts to Iran, which violates U.S. law. ZTE paid nearly $900 million in fines and agreed to fire four employees and reprimand 35 others. It did fire the four, but gave bonuses to those who remained. This violated the agreement, leading to a seven-year export ban. On Friday, Trump tweeted that he'd worked out a deal, despite opposition within his administration and a bipartisan response in both chambers of Congress. Republican Senator Marco Rubio of Florida said over the weekend, 
Most members of Congress have come to understand the threat China poses. There is a growing commitment in Congress to do something about what China is trying to do to the United States, and this is a good place to start. Of ZTE and Huawei, the world's leading maker of telecom equipment, Rubio said, none of these companies should be operating in this country. None of them. They are used for espionage. The impact of the new European Union General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR, is still being felt Tuesday as some major media websites stumble with modifying invasive advertising technology to meet stringent disclosure and consent standards that were required starting May 25th. But the GDPR was just the first step. A second policy that covers privacy, not just data protection, has been delayed from going into effect in May after complaints by a number of industry groups that it would impede Europe's digital economy. The New York Times' Natasha Singer reports that the e-privacy regulation, as it's known, was delayed as the Council of the European Union, which comprises officials from the 28 EU countries, negotiates over details. While the GDPR requires disclosure of how data is used, consent to policies, and the ability to obtain a copy of all data a company stores about you and to demand its deletion, the e-privacy regulation relates to how people's privacy is maintained as they go about their business, it effectively allows people to choose to be anonymous while using services unless they agree otherwise. And it includes metadata, so information about messages being sent and calls being placed and the like, not just a person's actual content, are covered. That means, for instance, that EU residents will be allowed to opt out of web-based tracking, but a site will still have to give that user access. The policy will get rid of the irritating cookie disclosures that popped up after the implementation of a previous EU policy. Cookies used for internal site purposes to improve the experience won't require consent, and the EU expects changes to browsers that will help users mediate better which cookies are accepted and which are not. Firms that object to the sweep of the new policy say it could destroy the ad market serving EU residents and cause sites to shut down and apps to stop development. One specter raised is that driverless cars would be unable to report back details to improve safety, ignoring perhaps that people will be given a choice rather than such data collection banned altogether. It's also not clear that safety-related data would require consent in any case, so long as it wasn't used for any other purpose, or such data could be granted an exception in the final regulations. The Developers Alliance claims it will cost Europe $640 billion a year in lost revenue, or 30% of profit across all sectors that rely on electronic communications. The gloom and doom seemingly ignores the reality of ghostery and other web-based ad blockers, as well as firewalls and filters available on consumer routers and corporate systems. The most recent reports from 2017 indicate that 11% of users worldwide block ads, according to PageFair, and 15% of mobile and 40% of desktop users block ads in the U.S., from a survey by Adblock Plus and Global Web Index. Jan-Philippe Albrecht, a member of the European Parliament from Germany who steered the GDPR legislation through Parliament, told the New York Times... Most of the lobbying is unreasonable and very low regarding facts. The regulations have to pass through the Council, which will then negotiate the law's final language with the European Parliament and the European Commission, the executive arm of the EU. Finally, a bit of bright news for pups. Like fruit and vegetables in supermarkets, some dogs and shelters are seen as less appealing. It's unfortunate. Those grown foods are just as delicious as their more aesthetically conforming counterparts, and dogs that don't have a certain look are just as loving and wonderful as any allegedly handsome dog. Even color matters. Black dogs have a harder time being adopted than those of other hues and saturations. Fortunately, the internet is at work. BuzzFeed reports that social media experts have come to shelters to market dogs that linger, and it's working. A better photo shoot, the addition of props or costumes, or even putting a dog in pajamas, the nuclear option, helps. 
According to BuzzFeed, talking about the Lifeline shelter in Atlanta, Georgia, a cute puppy or a purebred golden retriever is likely to get scooped up quickly, even with a grainy intake mugshot. The stocky dogs with big blocky heads that make up the majority of Lifeline's population usually requires a more strategic approach. Some people are concerned this is the new GoFundMe for medical bills, where a strong social media game means competing for resources. However, it's clear that a lot of people weren't considering a dog or hadn't found the right one, and that better marketing reaches more people, saving more animals, or giving them a home. As BuzzFeed's Gray Chapman notes, even if our collective online canine fascination is putting new pressure on rescue groups and shelters to learn new technologies and think like marketers, every rescuer I spoke with seems to universally agree if it means getting more dogs out of the shelter and into good homes, freeing up more kennel space for the next strudel or fetus, it's a good thing, even when it's hard, costly, and time-consuming. Because it's not just about saving individual animals. For many rescuers, social media is helping to change the narrative of rescue and how we talk about rescue dogs. I give this story 13 out of 10 would report again. And for any dogs listening, a good dog, good dog, who's a good dog? You are. And that's the news. I've been your host, Glenn Fleischman, in for Brian McCullough, who'll be back tomorrow, rested, bright-eyed, and bushy-tailed. Thanks for letting me put my voice in your ears on Friday and today. If you're interested in typography, printing history, and all sorts of other nonsense, you can find me at glog.glennf.com. That's G-L-O-G dot G-L-E-N-N-F dot com on the web. And at glennf, G-L-E-N-N-F, like Frank, on Twitter. Thanks to the editors at TechMeme who tweet out every headline they post every hour of the day at TechMeme. It's a great way to keep current. Have a great evening. Who's a good dog? Who's a good dog?